Welcome to At The Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Join the conversations of a collaborative community of women from the Southern Baptist Convention family who long to connect, engage, and encourage one another as they serve and lead in diverse ways to impact the kingdom of God. Pull up a chair, grab your favorite drink, and listen in on what God is doing through women of the SBC. Hey, everybody, and welcome to At The Table. It's Jackie King, and can you believe it? We are in fall, but it doesn't really feel much like fall. Like in Arkansas right now, our high today is 97. Um, and so I am ready for cardigan weather, and I'm ready to introduce you to our new guest today. She's a new friend, but we have a lot of the same heartbeats. And so today I want to invite Lynette Izell to the program. So thank you, Lynette, for joining oh, us today. Yeah, I'm so excited to be with you. Thank you. How are you? feeling about fall are you ready for fall or are you I more am, like a spring summer girl listen we are in atlanta we're in hot Atlanta, so we are so <laughs> ready for fall to get here do y'all get much of a fall with like colors changing in the leaves and yeah we do we do and the mountains are just beautiful people don't think about that about atlanta but just drive 20 minutes outside of the city and you're in mountains and so it is gorgeous um we used to love our family to go to the beach and it's just with kevin's job and our travel schedule it's just not feasible to get our huge family all together at the beach a lot Mm -hmm. and it's not super cheap and so we go to a lake now and it's this little lake just in the middle of the mountains and in the fall Jackie can I tell you it is he leads me beside still waters and restores my soul so we (laughs) love falls in Georgia and we are ready I love that so I am originally from Dallas and our lakes there are gross and so um, (laughs) since recently moving to Arkansas like I'm I'm starting to become a lake girl you can actually see through the lakes in Arkansas unlike Dallas and so um I have I've met Jesus a a couple times at the the lake so I love that you have that and I love, hopefully, we are going to start getting into some cool fall weather. So, and you'll get that family time with, with everyone around the lake. So, yes. I am so excited to dive into this conversation. Um, I'm really excited just to hear your story because this is honestly the first time. Um, I've heard like bits and pieces. And so, I really want to know about you. I know oftentimes you're probably referenced as Kevin's <laughs> wife. Um, and so, I'm really excited just to highlight you and your journey. And so, why don't you tell us just a little bit about you? You, where did you grow up and um, how you got connected to the SBC and then currently how do you serve? Yeah, so I grew up in West Tennessee, um, just north of Memphis in a little uh, area on the Mississippi River. And so uh, life was pretty simple. But I grew up in a home um, where my parents, uh, my dad had been working in the north a little bit just for a, for a job, but they were from the south. But while we were up north, I was little, had not even started kindergarten, a church planner shared Jesus with my daddy. Mm. And my whole life turned on a dime. I mean, I remember being five years old. My daddy's with Jesus, so now I can't even really talk about it. But I remember being five years old and standing in a church pew and my grandmother being beside me. This was in a suburb of Chicago. And we were Southerners, you know. And so I had happened to be born up there. My They just needed work, you know. So Mm -hmm. they were up there. And um, my my dad came from just a really, really rough background. But someone cared enough to share Jesus with my dad. And I remember standing in the pew and seeing my parents parents get baptized. I was the only child at the time. And I remember in my little soul at five years old knowing this is good. This is a good thing. 
And then, um, you know, didn't understand it all, didn't know what was going on. And my mom began praying with me beside my bed. I had a little yellow gingham bedspread. And then she just began praying with me for my spouse for, you know, just God began just leading my young, young parents in faith. Um, and then we moved back to the South where most of our family, uh, most of my mom's family all lived and we all, we live close to cousins and all of that. And my mom and my dad, especially my mom, really fleshed out serving others before me with what little we had. Um, you know, I grew up very, very simple. And with what little we had, she was always, we always had an extra at our house. Hmm. And so that was kind of normal for us, to, for her to be helping others. Like, I can't tell you how many times my wedding veil has been used. Oh, I love <laughs> and, that. I know, I know. And she was just always helping people and bringing in our cousins when they were going through a rough time and, you know, bringing in her half-sister and raised her. And so it was just, you know, it was just normal for us. We didn't have a lot to share, but we always had plenty. And that really impressed uh, upon my life and to see my mom was a woman she still is a woman of prayer and that was Jackie that was such a game changer for me although mm-hmm. they weren't highly educated they just they love the Lord and they train me in that way mm-hmm. I love that goodness okay and so your mom and dad and getting to watch their journey of faith um, and then even just all of these people um, that uh, kind of transplanted into your life and yeah. into your home um, and so what is probably I guess the biggest lesson that I think you took from that and then how has that impacted your story now <laughs> you know the biggest lesson I think from that is just that um, uh, the Lord, the Lord sees me. The Lord knows me. I was just a little girl, low income, growing up on the Mississippi River, close mm-hmm. to the Mississippi River. Um, I came from farmers who weren't great farmers. <laughs> my, uh-huh. my dad was a fireman, you know, and so we just grew up very simple, but my mom just trained my heart to pray and to trust the Lord in it, like through some, you know, rough times and scary moments. And, you know, just, uh, and she always had like Dr. Dr. Adrian Rogers and Dr. Stanley going in little cassette tapes in our home. She'd be uh-huh. ironing and listening to scripture. So I think in my life that showed me you know, even at times when I made poor decisions, it would rein me back in, like, say, high school. And mm-hmm. the Lord used that. We There's no way we could have afforded for me to go to Union University. But uh, my mom had enough faith for all of us to just trust the Lord in it. And every semester, Jackie, was gathering pennies to pay that school bill. Uh-huh. But, you know, they did it. And I'm so grateful. I met my sweet husband there. Um, I tell everyone I was, my first attraction was his tennis legs. <laughs> and so, you know, there's got to be that there. But he, uh, just meeting him and I realized this is what a young man after God's heart looks like. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and it was rocky for a while, tra- us trying to figure it out. We were so young. But, um, yeah, it was it, it, it just showing me to walk by faith, even though we didn't have the resources or we were not in great circumstances to walk by faith. Hmm, I love that, man. And that has just definitely been, I think, a lesson that I've learned from you and Dr. Zell and Kevin and just the way that y'all lead Nam, the way that y'all lead um, your family. I mean, there's just been so much that you trust God and that is very evident in your life. And so Aww. now, currently, you lead um, part of our branch of Send Relief for foster care and adoption. So I really kind of want to hear your story of adoption. So you met Kevin, got married. How... Mm-hmm. Like, was that planned before y'all had 
kid? Like, how did that conversation happen? How did God really birth this into your heart? And it really sounds like the seed was even planted with your mom and just all of these different people bringing them in. So can you unpack that a little bit for us? Yeah, my mom had a friend that uh, battled infertility. And this was like in the 70s. Yeah, the late, late 70s. So, you know, I didn't know much about adoption, but I saw this family adopt, babysat for them some. And I thought, man, that, you know, it's pretty cool. And so I began to think about people would say, do you, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I remember saying, I want to adopt. Hmm. Well, you know, I got older and moved on and, um, Kevin and I are in college and we got married, went to Southwestern Seminary and, uh, was ready to, we're like, Lord, you know, and he was just about done. We we're just so ready to, for you to just start building our family and just praying about it. And he did quickly and we lost our first baby. Hmm. And so he went, that baby went home to be with the Lord uh, much sooner than we were ready. You know, and we were so excited. And so we, we just waited a while, but, you know, nothing was happening, just really trying, seeking the Lord. I think a lot of people have that story. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to our first church outside of Nashville uh, in Trousdale County, a small little county. It was like Mayberry in Hartsville, Tennessee. I loved it. Aww. I'm kind of a, I'm a small town girl at heart. And uh, we met another pastor there and they had adopted as well. And they were another denomination and they just really helped us. We began to just uh, I began to dig and research about adoption and how it began. And so we applied for a Korean adoption and got a letter back quickly. We're so excited. They helped us get everything together, praying through it. And, you know, that's months of work and got a letter back saying, you're not old enough. Oh, geez. And I was too much shy of being old enough to adopt. So we filed that away and we're like, okay, Lord, it's just not your timing. And then I found myself not being able, being able to stand certain smells. <laughs> and I realized, Lord, you've given us another child. You know, you've given us another pregnancy and, uh, we had our Anna and just that was great. Just, uh, enjoying her. Uh, quickly, I was still nursing her and realized smells were bothering me again. <laughs> and so we, <laughs> We had two little girls 18 months apart, and they're now just precious mommies. And then the Lord gave us a son biological, you know, biologically. But mm-hmm. I remember one night, um, I love praying with my kids before they go to bed. And and um, that's when most of mine pray to receive Christ. Just a little plug there. Don't mm-hmm. don't let someone rob you of that with your children. Like, I love Awana. I love discipleship training. I love their small group. And I, but at night, you know, it, just to have that time with my kids to make sure that they've got their salvation nailed down. And so one night we were talking. Anna had prayed to receive Christ one night. She and I together. And then she began to just really grow in her faith. And she'd say, Mom, look at all that we have. Now, we just had a, let's see, when, we just had a really small four-bedroom home, like all the four bedrooms right there together in a little living area downstairs. But we thought it was a mansion. Oh. And we loved it. And mm-hmm. so um, she began to say, look at all that we have, Mom. And then, and then the needs. And we just began to see the needs of the fatherless among us. And uh, we had also taken in um, a distant, distant family member for kinship care. It was not through the state or anything. It was just a need. She got under, she was adopted out. We, we knew uh, God wasn't calling us to adopt her, but just to be a kind of a middle family for her. So we got mm-hmm. a little taste of it. But before long, we, you know, before we knew it, um, the need to see, need to, the need seemed to be so big. This was before 9-11. The need seemed to be so big in China at the time. And that's where we went. That's where we sent our paperwork. Wow. Okay. So that is like 
a ton. Um, and I love it. I love even your encouragement to those tender moments and how yes. your kids were seeing, um, I think, what was displayed all the way back from your mom and your dad and yeah. just this gratefulness and this gratitude that they have. And obviously, that's something that you instill within them. I think those are conversations that you have. That's not just our natural bent, right? Um, yeah. Even for kids. And so um, I love just the example I think that you give, but then also just the reality of how your family came together to take on this this charge of caring for the orphan. So talk to me a little bit about even just going to China and that decision, um, because I think a lot of times I hear with families, like, I don't know where to start, and yeah. I don't know um, what my first step is. So talk to me a little bit about just how did you choose China, and how, um, like, what were your first steps? How did you get that ball rolling? Because it was obviously something birthed deep within your family's heart. So how did you just go? Well, and be clear, it rocked my family's boat. Like my mom was super supportive, but it was just, it terrified my dad. It really Mm -hmm. did. And a lot of that was because of his past and his rough childhood. You know, it just terrified him. So, um, it, it, you know, the support wasn't just super apparent at the time, but we just Mm -hmm. had to walk forward in faith in that. But what I tell people all the time, we were in a unique situation. We were at Highview Baptist Church. Kevin was senior pastor in Louisville, Kentucky at the time. And God was just really moving in our people's heart to take note of the fatherless around us. And he used our family as an example. And I tell people all the time, I think, I really believe he had our family do it first. Because for one, if it starts with leadership, it will permeate to the body, to yes. the local body. Yes. And he had us do it, I believe, because we are just who we are. Like, we are super simple people. <laughs> and, you know, Kevin doesn't think twice. If he needs a shirt, he'll, and he's traveling Walmart. I mean, he's good. He doesn't care, you know. Yeah. Jack. And so uh, we're just super simple people. And I think people looked at us and thought, well, goodness, if they can do it, anybody you know, mm-hmm. can do it. But I, I tell, um, I help lead a podcast and so uh, at NAM, and it's called the Adopting and Fostering Home Podcast. And people ask me all the time, what's our first step? And the first step is just that. You just take one step Mm -hmm. toward adoption or foster care. Now, -hmm. that doesn't mean you take in a child. It may mean you're just going to go to your your local uh, Department of Family and Children's Service and say, how can I help you? It may mean that you're just going to ask a question at, at an adoption agency or just look on their website or just fill out that first step application or just click the box that says, yes, I would like more information. But what I tell people is take a small step forward, just that one step. And it, and then, and then the Lord will usher you forward in the rest of it. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Yes. Because I think with anything and especially, um, adoption, whether you're going domestic or you're going international, like it seems so daunting and there's like, there's almost a whole language that goes with it, like Mm -hmm. dossiers and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like, I mean, it's, it's such an overwhelming thing. And so I love your encouragement to just take the first step. Even I love to encourage women, like find an adoptive mom and yes. go take her to coffee and hear her story um, yes. and listen to the podcast. And I mean, there's so many women that I think this is something that the Lord has used to change their life. This is something that the Lord has used to sanctify them. And they would love to tell you their story and how they got started. And they may not have all of the answers, but it's just that one simple step to get to know 
one another and to get to see how God is working his kingdom here on earth through people that are just saying yes at one step at a time. So I love that so much. One step at a time. That's exactly right. And we should probably like small steps too. You know, they don't have Mm -hmm. to be giant. (laughs) Well, and as as a young pastor's wife, when we were in that small town in Tennessee, I reached out to a lady that was probably 15 years older than me. They had a large family, but they had adopted from Korea and she was, she was modeling that before me. And mm-hmm. I'm talking pastor of a small church. Like, I don't know how they, how they did their finances. They were very frugal, but she taught me so much. And they, they were kind enough to stop and say, here's, here's how you do it. Mm-hmm. And then the Lord moved us from there. And I just kind of filed that, that away. And it was probably, goodness, probably 14 or 15 years later before I took her, you know, before I took her wise counsel on that, but I tucked all that away in a file and literally hung on to a, a hard copy file, an old file that had all the information she gave me. So yeah, getting a mentor, getting someone who's walked it is invaluable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I'll go ahead and say, I know with our adoption, um, there, ours took four years and it was up and down just like every, every, I don't know of an adoption story that's like real clean and cut. Um, Mm -hmm. and those people that were in the trenches with me that knew what a dossier was, that knew um, just the waiting and the struggle that goes with that, those people were God's way of breathing life into weary bones. Mm. And so Mm -hmm. there is so much in community. There is so much in those that are walking the same path that you need one another in that and they need to be praying for you and all of those things. And so um, I I think uh, one of the things that I share is that you're not going to do adoption alone. You're not supposed to do any of this alone. Um, but you've got to have some of those people that have gone before you that are in the trenches with you and that are able to encourage you in those ups and downs that come with adoption. So I just, I love that. I love how God um, planted her in your story and then how you were able to use her wisdom. And then ultimately you get to be that for so many more now, right? Like I love how God oh. does that. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so sweet. What would you, especially um, because you've been doing this a while now and it's within your own story, um, what do you think are some of the bigger kind of barriers to people stepping into foster care and adoption? Like, what are you hearing that you're like, yeah, that sounds great, but what are those buts? Yeah, I just, I think people, um, they look at taking in a foster child and they're like, well, I could never give them back or I could never handle their problems or I could... That's the whole point. It's a Mm -hmm. sanctification process and you are entering deep brokenness, say in foster care or adoption, you know, so, and let's clear the air right now. A lot of people think, oh, if we adopt a child, an infant, then they don't have all that baggage. Yes, they do have questions and issues and who knows what happened in utero Mm because that's when the brain is developing, um, you know, you know, is, it's coming together at the most crucial time of their life. And so if that gets interrupted, you know, you do, I don't know of one adoption that, uh, you know, of the hundreds I, I've talked to and worked with where they haven't had some issue, mm-hmm. you know, to, to encounter. And so same thing with my biological kids, you know, right. you, you right. get what you get, right? Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> I tease people about that all the time. But I think that, you know, kind of back to your question is how can we not sh- help shoulder the pain for the fatherless among us. Like, if not the church, then who? 
Right. Yeah. And if not God's people, then who? And so people are, are, are just so afraid, like of foster care, of re, the goal of foster care is reunification. And that's mainly where I find myself now working is really all the time is with foster families and, and people interested in foster care. So that seems to be that the, a large call upon the church right now mm-hmm. for this season, you know, from the Lord. But we have to realize that it's about the child and not us so much, right? It's Mm -hmm. a calling upon our families. Yes, I um, (laughs) want to amen in my closet. Um, And I think even more so looking at, so our little guy is adopted from Ethiopia and um, he's been home for, geez, like four years, I think. Mm -hmm. And there's so much that um, people will come to us and say, oh, you've done so much for him, you know, and that makes it worse. (laughs) I know. And it's like, I mean, kind of, um, but there's such a pursuit, I think, of going after him that I have learned of God and God's pursuit of us. And so there's almost just kind of this tension of like, you were trying to love your guts out for this kid, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and fill some of those gaps and help heal some of that brokenness and that you're trusting the Lord ultimately to heal some of those wounds and trust him even with the future, you know, and some of those things that we're, you're talking about with the struggle. But in that there is such a sanctifying, um, like work that I don't think would have happened in us if it weren't for us stepping into that. And so I love that the focus is, yes, it's absolutely the child and, and seeing God work and move and restore and redeem and the beautiful way that he does. But in that, just like in any service that we do, right, as the Mm -hmm. church, we get to be the benefactors of that. Mm -hmm. Would you agree? Yeah, I really would. I really would. And we see it in the early church. A passage of the Lord just hit me between the eyes with a couple of years ago. Um, He's telling the early church, Titus said, look, you got to, you got to train these new believers, train the church to devote themselves to good works so you can help urgent needs. Mm, I mean, is that not foster care and adoption? Mm -hmm. And he says, so you won't be unfruitful in Titus 3.14. Church, don't be unfruitful. And so we can't all adopt or foster. I get that. But I do believe that it's about our sanctification process. Mm -hmm. I have never walked through such pain as I have and in this process. I haven't. And Mm -hmm. the Lord, and just completely like the woman hanging onto the hem of his garment, I'm there. Mm-hmm. Right in this process, and um, I, 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 we just finished a podcast talking about Jackie. This is for life. Mm-hmm. Like the Lord probably will call me home before He does some of my kids who are struggling, who are going to struggle as adults, who are always going to need a strong support system. This is a calling for life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. It's such, it's, it is work. (laughs) And I almost kind of want to, um, kind of unveil because I think people think adoption and they think of, you know, the courtroom or the, um, airport, you know, and coming Mm -hmm. through those doors. And that is, absolutely a piece of grace that I think God gives us of like, Mm -hmm. yes, that's, that's absolutely a moment to celebrate, but like adoption and the work that goes into adoption is in the everyday. And there is a lot of grit. There's a lot of brokenness that you were just having to constantly lay before the Lord. But then at the same time, like it's, 
it's good. And so there's so much to where I think there's a lot of people that are not stepping out because they're fearful Mm -hmm. um, and they're honestly not willing um, to, to take on that. But anything that God gives us usually that is hard is so incredibly fruitful beyond anything that we can comprehend. Mm -hmm. And, and so you will learn so much about the Lord, about you um, and just about his faithfulness. And so um, there is so much like in the old Testament, I remember in just that really um, struggling through just the weight and the brokenness of systems, you know, whether it's international or here in the United States and just pleading for the Lord to work and identifying so much with Israel. Right. Right. Um, And so there's, there's just so much goodness and growth that come with it. So um, I want to kind of highlight specifically. So under send relief, we have you leading foster care and adoption and just kind of this initiative. So what would you kind of share with us that, um, Um, How do y'all come alongside churches? How do you come alongside individuals that want to kind of take that first step? What do you guys offer? Yeah, and so I don't lead that. I'm just kind of a volunteer. We have a great team at NAM that helps uh, me and a friend just do a lot. Um, But our goal at NAM, first of all, everything we do is to raise awareness. Like, here's the need. Mm-hmm. Here are the numbers, you know, and I like to scale the numbers down to their county even. But here we are, raise awareness. Here's the need. We've got 443,000 children in the U.S. foster system. 123,000 are sitting there waiting for a home, ready mm-hmm. to go, paper ready. You know, and so raise the awareness. Um, the awareness right now, Ethiopia was was kind of like, you've done Ethiopia, I've done Ethiopia. It mm-hmm. was doing better. It's in horrific shape again. Right. Well, it's a closed country, you know. So just get the facts out there. Raise awareness. I have so many, uh, man, senior adult groups that help me meet needs here in my local county. You know, they can't foster. They can't adopt. I mean, some are in their 80s, but they can buy a Kroger gift card. Mm-hmm. You know, because they see the need and Southern Baptists respond really well yes. when they understand the need, like disaster relief, <laughs> yes. you know, and so we know at NAM that it's an imperative that we continue to keep the need before them. So we raise awareness and then that sparks interest. And we always know that's why our logo at NAM is getting out of the pew, you know, the arrows of getting someone out of the pew, raising awareness that interest is sparked. And then we see incredible engagement. Um, lately, the work we're seeing in Puerto Rico, um, the children age out of the system in Puerto Rico at 14, they're put on the streets. And God has just given us a unique opportunity uh, through Sin Relief to go into Puerto Rico and build homes for these young men and these young ladies. Like I'm talking, I'm using men and ladies loosely here at 14. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm still Mm -hmm. thinking teens. And so um, to where they get the gospel, they're trained to go into young adulthood. They can finish their education and they're not on the street, you know. And so uh, we we give churches local tools, um, like for Stand Sunday. Sunday in November for uh, Adoption Awareness Month, that sort of thing. Those are on our website. And here's prayer booklets. Here's how, here's slides you can use. Here's even a, uh, you know, you can go to CAFO and even get a sermon outline. But um, those kind of things we encourage um, from NAM, the awareness the, and then raise the interest. And then we see the engagement. Um, our pastor's adoption fund for anyone in ministry who is, um, you know, a pastor, you know, worship leader, that sort of thing. We give uh, funds. We give a grant uh, to those who are already matched with a child or in knee deep into adoption, because then when they're, they engage, we want to help them financially. Mm. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, Part of what I was thinking whenever you were talking about the website, like I absolutely, and we'll make sure to put it in the show notes um, to be able oh, to thanks. go and look at all yeah. of the different resources. Um, but one of the things that was kind of coming to mind was that how, especially here in the West and in the United States, it is so easy for us to kind of bury, um, you know, Puerto Rico. We had a team from our church that actually went and built um, homes and all of that yeah. after um, all of the destruction in Puerto Rico. But, you know, it is so easy for us to kind of just glaze over, well, that that's there. Um, that's not here or that's not our problem. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and so there's even kind of a part of me that just wants to encourage you. Like, I want you to Google, like, I think Googling and like becoming aware of the reality of what orphanages in Ethiopia look like. Um, I know that whenever we went on our first trip to do court with Amos, we took these pictures. We went to go to the orphanage that he um, was brought to after he was abandoned. And um, and so we took pictures, and there was oh, this wow. little girl that is just so cemented in my mind. Mm. And so, and the Lord will bring her face to mind like mm-hmm. so often, you know. And so we are loving Amos and our family, you know, and he's playing all kinds of sports and all of that. But when I think of Ethiopia, I think of her. Yeah. And I think of she is still one that is there that is struggling, you know, that doesn't have food to eat. And it's so easy, I think, to get into the rhythm and the mundane of we have so much, like what you were talking earlier. Mm -hmm. And so I think it would be a good practice that you would almost get on Google and just do some research, like just kind of type it in the in the Google search there, Um, because there is so much work that we could be doing. And just like you said, Nam, send relief, like we are going to those places. And so um, it's really easy to ignore it here. It's really easy to think that, well, Mm -hmm. that's not my problem. And church, it's, it's our problem. You know, it Mm -hmm. is our opportunity uh, to be able to step into that. So I will definitely make sure to have those in the show notes. And then maybe you just spend some time after listening to this episode and to Lynette um, and you just kind of Google um, what does adoption look like in your county and um, across the across the globe. I mean, anywhere. Um, So I think that's a good uh, practical thing that we can maybe kind of take away. So. We are running out of time, and I kind of want to just ask you this leadership question. Um, <laughs> you've gone from um, a simple girl right off of the Mississippi River yeah. to being a college student and a pastor's wife, and now you're helping lead foster care and adoption awareness. So you as a woman in leadership, what are some of those just kind of big truths that you've had to hold on to in all of the different seasons of you leading? Um, is there anything just in particular that maybe was kind of passed down to you from your mom or something that you picked up along the way? But what's maybe a challenge or an encouragement that you can give to our listeners today? You know, I spent many, many years um until recently, people would say, yo, what do you do in leadership? And though I, I taught women's Bible study, I love that. I taught in our academy in Louisville. Uh, I taught Old Testament. I, I love Old Testament study. Mm-hmm. I'm finally getting to go to Israel for the first time this fall. I cannot, oh, I'm jealous. I know. I cannot <laughs> wait. But I spent many, many, many years at home raising my children mm-hmm. so that I was a team player with my husband, but that, that's where, and I love to travel, but I did not want, I did not want to, to miss seasons with my children. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and I didn't, I don't ever want to go to heaven and stand before the Lord and I don't take my children with me. So for me, Jackie, leadership has been leadership in my home mm-hmm. uh, for so many years. Some I had to homeschool, some did public school, some did Christian school. We had six and we're down to two and we're about to launch <laughs> one more. But you know, through all of that, God has been so good. And I know and trust that he knows what he's doing. So wherever ladies find themselves today, whatever place of ministry God's put you, here's what I always go back to. When I can't trace or understand the hand of God, I can always trust his heart. Mm. And so that is just resounded in my head over and over Romans 8, 28. He's working all things together for the good. The Lord's working for my good and for his glory. The word, the Lord is working for my family's good. It doesn't look good right now, Lord. We're struggling or whatever season you may find yourself in, but the Lord is working for our good, but mainly for his glory. Mm, that is good. That is a great way, I think, to close the show. So thank you so much for that. And I hope that we would we would believe that, um, <laughs> that he is good and that he is God and that he is leading the way and working all the things um, for our good and his glory. So Lynette, thank you so much oh, for your you. time and sharing um, just your story and getting <laughs> to spend great. a little bit of time at the table. I appreciate it so much. And I know those of you that are listening, um, pass this on to another woman in leadership. Pass this on to a church member um, that maybe has reached out to you or a friend that has reached out to you saying, you know, I don't know about adoption or I'm kind of thinking that the Lord is leading this way. Um, I think that there is just a lot of good practical steps in this podcast that you're able to just kind of pass on and hopefully it makes it less daunting. Hopefully yes. it it sparks a light of, hey, let's just take a small faithful step and let's just say yes. So um, we are praying for your yes. We are praying for those that are listening and that those that you will pass this on to you. And so, Lynette, I hope you have a great week. I hope you enjoy that time at the lake in a couple weeks with the fall <laughs> weather and your cardigan yeah. on. <laughs> Thank you, Fran. Good to talk with you. Yes, absolutely. You have a great day. You too. You have been listening to At The Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes and share this with your friends and other women in the SBC. They'd also love to connect online with you at sbcwomen.net for more resources and for you to join the conversation with women all across the globe who are serving in kingdom mission. Thanks for listening.